take the lesson. Last Sunday, we began a verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Corinthians. And in the morning message, I shared an introduction about the variety of problems which plagued the church at Corinth. And oh my, did they have a variety of problems. It was filled, the church was filled with sin to a great degree because the city itself was so evil um, and it contaminated the church. Of course, our culture is evil as well. And we can be contaminated if we are not uh, walking circumspectly, if we are not, if we don't have on the full armor of God. Well, they did not, and sin crept in. And then last Sunday evening, we studied chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and learned that the church at Corinth, though so much sin, yet these were beloved children of God. He did not forsake them. Um, his his long-suffering nature is amazing, and we saw that in verses 1 through 9 this evening, verses 10 through 17, and you'll notice in most it, most of the time, I'm taking larger uh, chunks of text because it is a lengthy book, 16 chapters, and uh, I don't, uh, I would like to finish it before um, the Lord's return, uh, and, uh, and uh, of course that could be in any moment, uh, but um, you understand uh, uh, what I'm saying. I don't want uh, it to be an eight-year study, uh, but um, something uh, that is um, just easier to, to keep the flow. And so, this evening... Verses 10 through 17, a message that I've titled, Contentious Clicks, verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 1. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them who are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus, Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Just by way of reminder, a click uh, is uh, in the pejorative, in, uh, in the negative sense, is a small exclusive group uh, of usually snobbish people People who don't want to have anything to do with anyone else, but just stay within their group. The Oxford Dictionary is a little bit gentler on that definition. It says, a clique is a small group of people with shared interests or other features in common who spend time together. Now, that could be us, except for this final clause. And do not readily allow others to join them. That is what the church of Corinth was like and it was contentious 
no, you're not a part of our clique because only this group is in this clique. You're in that group over there. You stay over there. We're keeping ours uh, together right here. They had, uh, they contended with one another about who was the best group, as it were, and that is clearly spelled out in this passage. Now, why were the Corinthians like this? Why did uh, it degenerate? Paul was there 18 months. He hadn't been gone very long, and uh, members of a particular household of a member, uh, of a church member, uh, came and told him what was going on at the church of Corinth. Why was the church divided into contentious cliques? Well, theologian Gordon Fee wrote, this opening issue is the most crucial in the letter. Not because their quarrels were the most significant error in the church. Oh, to be sure, parenthetically, they had lots of other errors that were even uh, more uh, damnable than this. But, not be, uh, but because the nature of this particular strife had at its root caused uh, their false theology, which had exchanged the theology of the cross, or Christ alone, by grace alone, for a false triumphalism. Uh, the word triumphalism, I studied it, it's excessive glorying in one's own accomplishment. Hey, we're of Paul. We're of Cephas. We're of this group or that group. So they were glorying in that. And it went beyond and even excluded the cross. That's a good uh, uh, estimation by Gordon Fee on what was going on. It was exclusivism. We are exclusively to our own. Uh, we're our own clique. We have a label whatever it might be, and it's us four, close the door, no more, you can't come in, you're not welcome. Now folks, if you have a church like that, if you have a family like that, uh, if you have a country like that, then there's all kinds of problems. There's going to be contentiousness, and that is not healthy. What does scripture tell us about this? Romans 2.11, for there is no respect of persons with God, nor should there be among his people. And I hope you can say, and I hope you can genuinely say, everyone that I know at this church, I love, and I'm in one accord with them. Now, it might not be your best friend. You might not run together necessarily. You can't be best buddies with everyone. But I sure hope there's not anyone that you can look at or you can, uh, you can uh, th that name come to mind and say, oh, no, no, I don't, want, I don't want to be in that crowd. I don't want to be with him. I don't want to be with her because of whatever it might be. No, there needs to be one accord. Now, let me say from the get-go, this is not unity at any cost. Of course we're not going to compromise theology. Of course we're not going to compromise morality and biblical uh, uh, absolutes. Certainly that's not what we're talking about. Talking about unity of spirit. Actually wanting to uh, fellowship one with another as brothers and sisters in Christ. The church at Corinth did not want to do that. And right out of the gate... The Apostle Paul, he didn't address a critical issue such as the resurrection of the body until chapter 15. Uh, he didn't talk about uh, the issue of, of husband and wife uh, dynamic until chapter 7. Uh, and all of the misuse and abuse of gifts until chapters 12 and 14. And love in chapter 13. In other words, he said this cancer in the body is so critical we got to address the cancer first, the root issue, and that is exclusivism, that is 
being cliquish. Oh, is that better? We'll see. I'm not very good with this. I resisted it for a long time. Mark will tell you, no, I'm not doing it. I want it the same way I've always had it. I didn't do that. <laughs> okay, a couple of points. First of all, the fundamental problem. When you look at Corinth, the fundamental problem was division. The divided church. And folks, a divided church is a contradiction. Because if it's the ecclesia, the called out assembly, we're called out of the world together as one. We are one in the body of Christ. How can a single body be divided apart from something that's deadly, cutting you in half? Uh, that is what is going on, what's going on at the church of Corinth. Of course, we just finished, focused on a year of that subject in Romans 12 and verse 5, that we are members one of another. We are intricately woven together. You remember uh, in Psalm um, 139, we're intricately, uh, we're we're curiously wrought, we're, um, what is it? Wonderfully made, uh, we're intricately wrought together. That is, physically speaking, God is the creator uh, of, of, uh, he's uh, the author of creation and of procreation. Well, similarly, uh, in a spiritual way, we are intricately woven together in his body, with he being the head. It says in this very same book, in chapter 12 and verse 13, for by one spirit... Were we all baptized into one body? But they were denying that in the practical reality. Oh, it's real. It was true. They were one body in Christ, those who were saved and a part of that local church. They just were not acting like it. So what did Paul address? First in chapter uh, 1 and verse 10, he addressed the desire for unity. I I beseech you, I'm pleading with you that you be of the same mind. That you say the same things, you believe the same things, you discern the same things or do it in the same way. See this the way I'm seeing it and the way I've heard uh, things are going. Now, he knew these people. He lived with them for 18 months. So it wasn't like he was ignorant uh, as to who was uh, doing, doing what and behaving a certain way. When, uh, when I was a kid, uh, my sister Melda, you know, you're older than me. And uh, I had a sister, I have a sister younger than me a year. And we would ask our dad, what, did you, what do you want for Father's Day? Uh, every year he would say the same thing. I want you all to be kind to one another. Now he wasn't a believer at the time. But he knew he wanted family tranquility. And tranquility does not mean just the absence of war. But an actual desire to have an integrated uh, and uh, interpersonal relationship that is warm and loving uh, and uh, and giving uh, and the like. And when my four kids were at home, they would occasionally collectively ask me, what did I want for Father's Day or my birthday? I said, for you all to be kind to one another. It's the only gift I want. Uh, Because they could get on one another's nerves. Y'all with younger children and grandchildren, it can get better. My four are now uh, best friends and I rejoice in that. But godly, mature believers want brothers and sisters, and Paul wanted this, to love one another and to show it. 
That's what he said, is my desire. Paul's emphasis there in verse 10. Thomas Constable wrote, by exhorting his readers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he does that in verse 10, Paul was putting what he um, was about to say on the highest level. In other words, I'm speaking for God here is what he is saying. This is the 10th reference to Jesus Christ in the first 10 verses of the epistle, about an average of one per verse. Clearly, Paul was focusing the attention of his audience on Christ, who alone deserves the preeminence. The Corinthians were to regard what he was about to say uh, to them as coming from the Lord himself. So notice in verse 10, it says, now I beseech you, brethren. That now moves from the positional of being in Christ, verses 1 through 9, to the practical of, of behaving as Christ would have you behave. It takes it into a, a practical playing out uh, a proposition with the verb exhort, calling the Corinthians to come alongside him uh, in desiring unity. I desire it. It's the will of God. He's no respecter of persons. He's not an exclusive. Uh, he doesn't um, uh, um, want you to be exclusive, shutting off everybody else. And I want you, uh, I'm exhorting you to come along in that same way. Let your relationship flow from a single-mindedness. Now, does that mean we all believe and feel the same way about everything? No, of course it doesn't. We are not cookie-cutter believers. That's not what is intended. What is intended is not that you all love blue or that you all love red or, or, the, or the organ is your favorite instrument or you can't stand the organ. That, that's not the issue on the table. The issue on the table is set your mind on the same things, namely the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 3, that glory may be brought to him in all the church throughout all ages. And so if we are all, follow, uh, follow the, the reasoning, if we are all first and foremost setting our attention, our affection, our allegiance on the glory of God, Lord, I want you to be high and lifted up. And we all will say, including me, it's not about me and it never has been, then that takes us a long way down the road in unity because we're marching to the beat of the same drum. Amen? That is not what was happening at Corinth, and it must be guarded against falling into contentious cliques even in our day. Now, how did it develop? The development of disunity, verses 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul addressed it. Disunion in the church, cancer in your physical body, the same kind of thing. It starts destroying from within, and it usually begins silently because Paul had been gone from this local church for a couple of years anyway. And so seemingly it began slowly, quietly, until the servants of Chloe, wealthy woman in the church who had hired servants, uh, brought it to the attention of the Apostle Paul. Now why wasn't that gossip? It was not gossip or Paul would have, uh, uh, he would have um, identified it as such and he would have called those folks to repent. This was the first step of church discipline for a whole church. Paul is confronting them in their sin. It wasn't just differences of opinions. This was contentious um, cliques to the point of the church was divided. 
and they wanted to be known, their allegiance was to a well-known leader. Notice, it says that one group, one clique said, I'm, well, I'm followers of Paul. Another one says, well, I'm followers of Apollos, or I'm followers of, of, of Cephas, of Peter. And the real spiritual one says, well, yeah, you all might be, but we're followers of Christ. Look how great we are. Look how spiritual we are. Which begs the question, uh, isn't it a good thing to align yourself with uh, the group of Jesus? Well, the problem wasn't the leader. The problem wasn't the leader in any of these. There wasn't any problem with Paul or Peter uh, or, or, um, uh, or Apollos or Christ. The leader wasn't the problem. It was those who were contentious and prideful about which leader they were following. The leaders, none of them would have had any use for any of this. Folks, the problem was their alienation of others for whatever reason. In our day, in 21st century America, it could be uh, uh, alienation from one another uh, be, because of age, because of, of politics, because of socioeconomic level, educational level, or, what, or your own pet preference in, uh, uh, in something that's going on here. Well, I'm an Awana guy, or I, I'm a small group gal, or I'm, uh, uh, I'm given very much to committees, or why do we even have committees? We don't need that. Or, I mean, it's just any number of hobby horses we can get on if we're not careful, and division will follow. Didn't happen in a moment in Corinth. It took uh, some amount of time, and they were against one another. Now, I want you to know on the front end, and may, hopefully you know this, I'm a cheerleader for every ministry at Redbridge, by the way. Uh, I really am. I, uh, I, uh, I am as gung-ho for Awana, and I don't work in Awana as I am for the music ministry, and I'm not a part of the music ministry. That is not formally a part. Uh, I'm as much for this committee as I am for that committee, because that is the health, and I'm not, uh, the healthy uh, uh, position to have, and I'm not saying that for the sake of this message. I actually am cheering on. I want all of our ministries, all of our aspects of our church to be fruitful and faithful unto him. Amen? Now, when we set our affection on the same goal and our attention on the same goal, the glory of God in the church, then every one of us can say, I want every ministry to hit it out of the park. I want every teacher to hit a home run in that lesson. I want every Awana, a leader, and every Awana child to grow by leaps and bounds. I want every small group to just explode uh, with a sense of, of identity and, and oneness among those and, and on and on. That is what the Apostle Paul uh, desired by the Spirit of God. So that was the fundamental problem. Disunity, division, uh, factions and the like. The fundamental principle toward which he pushed and exhorted them was unity, of course, verses 13 through 17. He pre preached a message of unity all the time. I would, I would guess I didn't check, but it is so common in Pauline theology, the, the, the books written by the Apostle Paul, that it's as if it is written in every one of them. In fact, um, uh, Philip Gaddard just read uh, Philemon uh, this evening. We're reading it multiple times in a row in different translations. And that's what it's about. He says, Philemon, you and Onesimus, 
You're now brothers in the Lord. Oh, there's, there's bad blood back there. Uh, there are problems back there. But we're here today as brothers in the Lord. And I beseech you that you would receive him, uh, accept one another in Christ. Because if you won't, there's going to be division. And that is a cancer in the body. So unity is what the Apostle Paul, he was driving toward that goal. Ephesians 4, 3. After three chapters of glorious theology, he got into the practical working out of that. And the first thing he said was, work hard, endeavor to keep, to guard, to safeguard the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace among yourselves. And uh, to the greatest degree, the Ephesians did that. The Corinthians did not do that. The fundamental principle, unity. First of all, unity is destroyed by being sectarian. Sectarian simply means a part of a sect, part of a group. Um, Sectarianism, in its most neutral definition, is fine. I root for one team, uh, one NFL team. My entire life of having conscious awareness... I have only rooted for one NFL team in my entire. I do not have a divided allegiance. I am utterly sectarian as a Chiefs fan. No amens there. Okay, <laughs> these are good days, by the way, <laughs> to be a Chiefs fan. I lived 50 years still a Chiefs fan, uh, and it was difficult, but I was faithful, and now they're fruitful. <laughs> but sectarianism in the church is absolutely destructive because you're a Paul you're of Apollos you're of Peter you're of Christ you're of whatever follower that uh, appeals to you for whatever reason it's damaging it's fine in sports damaging in the life of the church Ephesians 4 5 uh, addresses what was what we find here in verse 13 of our text look at 1 Corinthians 1 13. In other words, the passage we're in, look at it. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Well, notice Ephesians 4, 5, is Christ divided? No, there's one Lord. Verse 13, was Paul crucified for you? No, there's one faith. It's not uh, following Christ and following Paul as far as salvation goes. In verse 13, Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. One baptism. One statement that says, this is whom I am following, the Lord Jesus. And, of course, in writing this, those who were in the sect of the Jesus only, not Paul, uh, not uh, Peter, not uh, Apollos, uh, they had the temptation to kind of... Look down their noses. They're collecting noses at everybody else. But they really were not following Christ if they were a divided house. And so the issue is, yes, it's good to follow godly examples in our leaders. Of course we're to do that. But folks, we have to remember, they are clay pots. They're just jars of clay, just like you are, right? I heard, a, uh, I heard a well-known Christian artist uh, 30, 35 years ago, singer, soloist, who said at the beginning uh, of his concert uh, th- that I attended, he said, if you knew 
about me what I know about me, you would not be here to hear me sing. Now, he wasn't confessing any kind of scandal. He was just talking about his day-to-day pilgrimage through this life. His feet get dirty. And he is very fragile because he's just a clay pot. So, yes, we're to esteem one another very highly. Yes, we're to um, give honor to whom honor is due. But as 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, and I've just alluded We have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of Christ in you. We have it in earthen vessels. Why? Why does God do it that way? So the excellency of the power will be said to be of God and not of us. Amen? You see, it's all for his glory. That is the motivating thrust for the church. And so if I preach for his glory and you sing for his glory and you teach for his glory and you minister and you go on a mission trip and you give an offering and all of the rest, if you will and if I will do it unto him, for him, by him, through him, because of him, alone, my, there's going to be the power of God is going to fall on his church, on his people. If I don't do that and if you don't, we might as well be the Corinthians because there will be division. As a side note, if you'll look, I like this. I just learned this. I don't know if I saw it. I don't know if I picked up on it. I can't recall. But in verse 16, it says, I baptized this household stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. That, Pastor Scribina, is a great testimony of biblical inspiration. That is a powerful word of biblical inspiration. Because if man had been writing scripture apart from the instrumentality of the Spirit of God, he's not going to include his forgetfulness. (laughs) I want to put the best foot forward. I want you to see how wise I am, how intelligent I am, how winsome I am, how articulate I am, that I don't misspeak. And if we believe, if someone believes in dictation as a means of inspiration, that is, uh, God just simply dictated what uh, he wanted the writers to write and they did, then you wouldn't have any personality or style differences among the various books. You all follow that? This is a strong apology defense for inspiration and authority of Scripture. By Paul saying, I'm a clay jar. I'm a clay pot. I don't remember everything. It's true. He didn't remember everything. And it's inspired in that we are told he didn't remember everything. So if I forget your word or your name soon, sometime... I'm just going to claim Pauline authority. <laughs> it's, a, it's good stuff that we see here. The text is true and trustworthy. Paul didn't remember everything. Spirit of God wanted us to know that he didn't while, while refuting sectarianism. He said, don't be in those little groups. I'm nothing special. I baptized this person, this person. I, don't, I can't recall if I, who else I baptized. Sometimes I've asked uh, some of you, you folks, did I baptize you? 
I've been here long enough on staff 37 years. I don't, I don't remember everybody, everyone I've married. I certainly don't remember everyone I've buried. None of them have come back and asked me. Over 500 folks I've buried. Um, and so, yeah, Paul doesn't remember. He didn't keep a list. He didn't have a head count. I find that to be very refreshing. And it refuted sectarianism in the church. Finally, unity is defended by being single-minded. Verse 17, Christ called me to preach the gospel, not in man's wisdom of words, but to preach the cross. He once again directed his attention, his allegiance, the authority that he, under which he worked to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of the body. Who alone is the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd of the sheep, and the one we follow. Um, Paul's calling was that. And by the way, it's our calling. God will do the work. He doesn't ever want contentious cliques to surface. How do you prevent it? How can you leave here right now and say, I'm not a part of a contentious clique, and I'm not going to be a part of one. I'm going to identify it. I'm going to confront it. I'm going to call folks to turn from it. How? By practicing Philippians 2.3. Letting everything be done. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. That is, you're not walking in pride. You're not walking in the spirit of contention. But in lowliness of mind, I'm esteeming you better than myself. You are valuable. I've, uh, I've said to um, Brother Saylor uh, before that when I'm gone from the pulpit, uh, there's a little bit of a, a difference, in, a shift a little bit in the dynamic of, uh, of a worship service uh, when somebody else is filling in. Of course, I've been here 30 years. Uh, uh, it will feel different. When he's gone, to me, there is a big shift in the dynamic. Now, what am I doing there? Either I'm blowing smoke, and I'm not because I'm being very genuine here when I say this, or I'm saying, you have, you have more value than I do here. And I'm pretty high profile around here. We're to view one another that way. Um, uh, I could give example after example. Any one of these folks uh, in uh, IT uh, committee work, they are more valuable for what they do than I am in what they do. And those who, and then you just name it. All of us are to view one another as highly esteemed. The glory to Christ, the result, no factions. Amen? It's a strong word of warning. We, uh, uh, I'm preaching to the choir because we don't have this. We don't, I mean, that I know of, we don't have a single contentious clique. But it only takes a moment. It only takes one little insensitive comment, poor judgment, mis, misrepresented position, and uh, the, we're off to the races with that sort of thing. You know, cancer, Dr. Saylor, begins with one, initially with one cell. It doesn't begin with a million cells, presumably with one. There was a ground zero. There was, there's a starting point, point for cancer. But then in no time, left unaddressed, it just goes like a forest fire. And it's off to the races. May we never encounter that 
in this local church for the glory of God. Lord, I'm thankful for this, your word, the truth of it, and fairly easy to, uh, to understand they were in the flesh. You call them not to be. You call them to turn through your servant. And so may we be safeguarded against that, not to have factions, not to be sectarian in the, the body, but to truly safeguard the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. And you'll be glorified in that. We'll be blessed. Give you thanks. Apply, seal this your word to our hearts. Lord Jesus, in your glorious name we pray.